Well, another grim day on Wall Street Friday. I don't know about you, but when uh, my retirement account statement comes um, next month, I'm thinking about not even opening it. And if I open it, I think I'll have the good sense not to, to blame the people who are managing it. And I do hope God will have the same attitude. You see, the scripture this morning, the parable seems to indicate that God has entrusted us with God's wealth. Not that God has a retirement plan or is planning to retire anytime soon, but God has given us wealth and has the expectation that we will take what God has given us that is so valuable and we will get results and expand it and make more of it. You see, the parable that you just heard is about a master who is getting ready to go on a journey. So he calls uh, three servants together and distributes the wealth. One gets uh, five uh, talents or uh, talents of gold. Uh, This is often called the parable of the talents, but I think that's misleading because when we hear talent, we think of, well, I can sing. That's my talent. I'll join the choir. Or I'm hospitable. I'll I'll find Donna after the service and, and greet people on Friday night. Those are good things, but that's not what this is about. This isn't about taking abilities necessarily and using them. A talent is a a measure. It's a unit of weight. Uh, And basically, it's about, scholars debate, between 60 and 90 pounds. So uh, as one translation has it, the person who's given a talent is given 60 to 90 pounds of gold. Another translation, the contemporary English version, says it's 60 to 90 pounds of silver. That's an enormous amount. That's more than just being able to carry a tune. Something of extreme value. So the one who got five talents may have had four or five hundred pounds of gold given to him. And even the one who only had one talent, at the very least, has 60 pounds of gold. How much is gold an ounce? More than it was last year. That's an enormous amount. And then the one with five, you know, makes five more. The one with two makes two more. And the one who had one just buries it in the ground. Now, in his defense, let me say a couple of things. We talked about this during the parable, the treasure hidden in the field. Uh, they didn't have safe deposit boxes in those days. So oftentimes to keep something safe, you'd, you'd dig a hole where nobody else knew where it was, and you'd bury it in the ground. And quite frankly, in the last quarter, if I would have taken my retirement account and buried it in the ground, I would have come out ahead. But this is not acceptable behavior for the master. You wicked and lazy servant. Well, what's this parable about? I think a few things I want to share with you this morning, and some are probably pretty obvious. The first thing is this. I think Jesus is basically talking to his disciples and and other followers and saying, look, I have given you something of tremendous value. Well, think about it for a moment. What's the most important thing that God has. In the scriptures, it seems to indicate the most important thing that God has is the kingdom of God. In other words, uh, the ability to be in relationship with God and work in the world to make the world operate the way that God intended. It is a great gift to be a part of what God is doing in the world. That's the most valuable thing God has. God intends, and they've known this ever since uh, uh, the Hebrew Bible, the Jews have known that God's plan was to set the world back right. And God is entrusting this wonderful plan, this, that which is more valuable to God than anything else, to the servants. 
Something of great value is given to them. If you don't believe me, just thumb through the Gospels and you'll find out Jesus talks more about the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven than any other topic. Do you know that they say the average pastor just has six sermons and recycles them? You should be so lucky. I have one. I have one. It's the kingdom of God. It's about getting in line with what God is doing in the world, in the universe, what God wants to do, and we get to be a part of it. So that's the most valuable thing God has. God says, here, take it. And then God expects that working with God, you will expand it. The kingdom of God is not some sort of zero-sum game. There's only so much of God and only so much of God's will. God intends it to continue to increase until it covers again the whole planet as God intended. I know you've all heard that cliche that says um, that, God, that your life is God's gift to you and what you do with your life is your gift back to God. Well, what exactly does God want you to do with that gift? And I think Jesus says the answer is this. Work for the kingdom of God. Work for what God wants done in the world. Make the world look like God wants it to look. Make it more beautiful. Make it more peaceful. Make it more joyful. Make it more just. Anytime relationships are broken, people are sick, people are lonely, people do not know about Jesus Christ, get in there. Be a part of doing that. I think it's pretty obvious to me that Jesus is talking about this because when you look through the Bible and you find talents, a unit of measurement mentioned, most often you find it used in connection with things that are being built at God's request. Uh, the first time we read about so many talents of gold or silver, it's in, after the Exodus when they're building the tabernacle. Next time we read about so many talents of gold or silver, they're building a temple. The next time we read about it is in the book of Ezra, and they're rebuilding a temple. So often when you come in uh, to discussion of, of weights of things of great value, the whole purpose is to build what God asks you to build. Now, I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We don't build the kingdom of God. God does it, and we get to participate. I love what one theologian said. He said that we don't build the kingdom of God, we build for it. And so we participate with God. We get an opportunity to help make the world what God intended. One 20th century rabbi figured this out, and this is one of the things he said. He said, we have within our hearts the gold of God by which we can forge the gates of heaven. In other words, he's saying we have within us what God has given us, uh, what it takes to make this earth more like heaven. And isn't that what Jesus wanted? Listen to the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. That's what he wants for, for earth to look more like heaven, and that's called the kingdom of God. That's the most important thing. Jesus couldn't think of anything more important, and Jesus says, here, you get to help do it. Tim Keller of New York City says it this way. Anytime you find the fabric of life torn, relationships or illness or struggles, pain, sorrow, anytime you find the fabric of, of life torn, when you come and help sew that back together, that's being a part of the kingdom of God. That's what God put you here to do. And apparently, the five-talent and the two-talent persons figured that out. But the last one didn't. What happened? Why didn't he go invest what was of great value that he, that he had received? 
Well, he gives the answer in his own words. He said, Master, I knew you were a hard man. I didn't trust you, basically. I knew you were a hard man, so I just buried it in the ground. My question to you this morning is, did he really know the Master? If the Master in some ways represents God, did he really know God? Now, the Master indeed has an edge. That is that the Master does expect that what's important to the Master will be carried out. And that's true, and, and, and Jesus would have, uh, and his followers would have known this from the teaching of the rabbis, even in their day. They used to say uh, that in order to, to not cross God, in, in order to not transgress against God, every person, said the rabbis in Jesus' day, should know three things. First is this, you need to know where you came from. Number two, you need to know where you're going. And number three, you need to know who you're going to have to give an account to when you get there. And so what they taught is, where'd you come from? You came from dirt, right? From the dust of the ground. In other words, we have a limited time in a sense. We're not God. We're human beings. Where are you going? Well, you're going back to dirt. We're not here forever. There is that time on the earth when we have to do what God wants us to do. We have that time. And then the third thing is, and we're going to have to give an account of what we've done with that time. So... There is perhaps a hardness to the master and that the master, this is very important to the master and the master wants it done. Make the world the way I want it. But that's only part of the story as you know. There's a much larger picture of our master who is so gracious that first of all, the master gives us an opportunity to be a part of something bigger than we are. A part of something that's more important than we are. A part of something that will last longer than we will. Look at all the people yesterday gathered in football stadiums, college football stadiums all across the country, sang the same songs, chanted the same cheers, and, and people have been doing it in those stadiums for decades. It's a big deal, but not millennia. It's big, but it ain't that big. There's something bigger. There's something that's gone on longer. There's something that will go on longer. And to get to be a part of that, that's a huge gift. Have you ever gotten a note from somebody who thanked you for something you did years ago you don't even remember? That's what you're a part of. I believe that one thing that happens in heaven is you find out all the ripples from the little pebbles you tossed for the kingdom of God. The little things you did here and there, you had no idea where they went. But you're going to find out, and it's going to take a lot of time and I can't think of anything more pleasurable. The master gives us that opportunity. And then there's a reward. Well, how big is a reward? Can't help but think of the very first Star Wars movie. I guess now it's called Episode 4. They're trying to uh, talk Han Solo into rescuing the princess. And they, said, uh, uh, they say to him, you know, the reward is going to be bigger than you can imagine. You'll remember he says, I don't know, I can imagine a lot. Well, the reward is bigger than you can imagine. This is, imagine in first century hearing this, uh, that a person has been given five talents, you know, four or five hundred pounds of gold. And the master comes back and says, oh, you've done pretty well with those few things. Are you kidding? Few things? How big must the reward be? Well, this is what Paul said about it. To the Corinthians, Paul said, and he was borrowing from Isaiah, I has not seen... And ear has not heard all the good things that God has for those 
You know, those who participate in God's kingdom, those who are doing what God wants, the reward is bigger, larger than you can possibly imagine. There's the reward of knowing that what you're doing now makes a difference. But there's a bigger reward that you and I walk into and I don't even know its size. Story is told that after the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem about 70 A.D. by the Romans, which probably Jesus had predicted, uh, if, if you look at the, at, at the Gospels, uh, things are bad, and, and thousands of Jews are, are enslaved, carted off, and dragged under the uh, arch down the, the main street of Rome. People taunt them, they jeer them, and the story is told of one Jew beginning to cry. Turns to the other Jews, they walk in their chains and said, Look how these evil pagan people live. Look at their gold. Look at their wealth. Look at their power. And he starts to cry while our temple is destroyed. And the other Jew next to him starts to smile and said, Well, just imagine that. If God lets people who are evil enjoy all of this, how much more will God give to those who love God? How much more? I can't even imagine.